0: Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now, here's Father Ted. Brothers and sisters, today we're celebrating the solemnity of Jesus Christ, the undisputed King of the Universe. So, in America, we have this election process through which we choose our leaders, but there was no election process which resulted in the kingship of Christ. He is the ruler of, who, of everything because of who he is. His power does not derive from the people. And with this feast, we are concluding. We are wrapping up the liturgical year. So next Sunday is actually going to be the first Sunday of Advent. And so this Sunday is in a very appropriate way for us to bring it to a conclusion because this feast, this this mystery, this, this truth of Christ's kingship is the culmination, it is the climax, if you will, of all the other mysteries we, are, we were celebrating during the year. So Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter and Pentecost and Corpus Christi and the Ascension, they all were leading us to this particular goal, the fact that at the end of time, Our Lord Jesus Christ is going to be revealed to all people, all nations, all religions as king, as emperor, as undisputed Lord of all. Now, to to us who are believers, and we are graced with the scriptures, this shouldn't really be anything new for us. You know, the scriptures are testifying over and over again to the kingship, the royal status of Jesus Christ. So there's one prophetic psalm that talks about or sings about his everlasting throne and his scepter of justice. And there's another one that says that the rule of the coming Messiah is going to extend from sea to sea and unto the ends of the earth. Isaiah the prophet talks about his everlasting throne and this, how he will wield a scepter of justice. And all these Old Testament prophecies, and there's there's many of them, all these Old Testament prophecies, they're confirmed by the angel Gabriel at the Annunciation to Mary, where the angel tells the Blessed Virgin that this son that she will bear will reign over the house of Jacob. He will sit on the throne of of David his father, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Christ himself confirms this fact, like in today's gospel. If you notice at the very beginning of the gospel, Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when he, Jesus, comes in his glory, he will sit upon his glorious throne. Normal people don't have thrones. Kings have thrones. And when Pontius Pilate asked him, are you a king, he responded in the affirmative. And in the second reading today, this dominion, this authority of Christ was on full display. We see here, Paul telling us that Christ is going to destroy every sovereignty and every authority and power, and he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. He is going to be a conquering king. He's going to reign supreme because everything is subject to him. And in the end, he will present the kingdom to his father. So the fruition, the final revelation of this kingdom will take place at the end of time, at the final judgment. That's where it's all going to become clear. But there's no reason why this kingdom should be hidden until then. It's not as if, well, the kingdom is inside of us until the end of the world and then it's going to be public knowledge. The kingdom should be revealed. The kingdom should be manifest far before the end of the world. We do not need to wait for that to come about. Pope Pius XI Back in 1925, he established this solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, in his encyclical Quas Primas. And in that encyclical, he talks about how Christ reigns on earth. Like, how does this reign actually get manifested? First and foremost, in the individual. How is it that his reign... How is it that we can say that he rules over us? He rules over us in three ways. He rules over our hearts. He rules over our minds. He rules over our wills. We can say that Christ's reign is established in us when he reigns over our minds, meaning we give this firm assent to everything he's told us. We believe what he says to us. He rules over our wills when we are choosing to obey his commands to follow the laws of God. He rules over our hearts when every other love is second to the love of Jesus Christ. For now, the kingdom of Christ, is something like a mustard seed, which is growing. And we need to contribute to its growth. Now, there are some similarities between Christ the king and your stereotypical earthly king that we read about in history. But there's also a difference. There's also a significant difference where the stereotypical historical king of earth, he rules through dominion, through control, through power. He asserts his authority because nobody can resist him. Christ the king is somebody who rules by serving. And that's what the readings talk to us about today. He is a servant king. So the prophet Ezekiel, in the first reading, he talks about how God is going to come to earth as a shepherd to look after his people. That's to say, you had all these human shepherds that were the human leaders who were supposed to be guiding the flock of Christ, and they failed. They didn't succeed in what they were supposed to do. They they did not look after the flock, and so God is going to come down and look after the flock, after all of us. And it's something illustrative, it's something beautiful to just consider the... The verbs that are used by Ezekiel to describe what this divine shepherd is going to do for us. He will look after, tend, pasture, give rest, seek out, heal, bring back the sheep. He just exists almost for our sake. He comes here in order to serve us. He's just overflowing with expressions. Ezekiel is overflowing with expressions as to how God is going to serve us. And if we look at the psalm, we see, again, references to this pastoral care of God. The Lord is my shepherd. We all know this psalm very well. It's something which is often found hanging on walls. It was a favorite in the early church as well. And the church fathers saw in this psalm many references to the sacraments. And so the restful waters that renew the soul, that's baptism. The verdant pastures and the table that is set before me, that's the Eucharistic banquet. The head anointed with oil, that's confirmation, anointing of the sick. And so all these things that the shepherd is doing for us is he's giving us the sacraments. He is serving us the sacraments, the life-giving sacraments which we all need. According to the Second Vatican Council, for Christ the King to reign is to serve. So even though he was God, he emptied himself and took the form of a slave for our sake. He went so far as to give up his own life for us. This task of service was what consumed him during his earthly life. He did not come in order to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So even though this feast emphasizes... Christ is the king. Christ rules supreme. It is Christ who is in charge of everything. Let's remember, it's better for us that he does. It's for our sake that he reigns. We are the ones who benefit from his rule. His power is essentially put at our disposal. He loves to bestow favors on those around him, especially upon those who make him rule over their minds and wills and hearts. And so when we choose to let him do that, when we choose to give Christ supremacy over our lives, it's kind of like voting for an elected official. It's like voting for a political candidate who's promised to give you like a position in their cabinet or somebody who's going to be giving a stimulus package for the industry that you work in. Like When you choose Christ, you're helping yourself. We are opening ourselves up. We are disposing ourselves to receive those graces that come from on high. But let's remember, he's not trying to bribe us. He doesn't need us to vote for him. Nobody votes for him. He he already has the position secured. What he does for us, he does because he loves us. He reigns supreme, has all power on heaven and on earth, and he chooses to use it for our sake because he cares about us, because he wants what is best for us. That is how Christ draws people into his kingdom not by threats, not by, you know, coaxing. He draws them in through love. He shows them love, knowing that the only appropriate response to love is to love in return. Now, it's not enough for us to say that we belong to the kingdom of Christ ourselves. That's good. We need to belong to Christ's kingdom if we hope to be saved. But we also need to imitate the example of the shepherd king, And we need to draw other people into this kingdom. We need to look for the lost sheep. Christ's rule over us is good, but it's insufficient. All the world must be drawn in. If we do not work to bring others into this kingdom, our own membership will be at risk. And we could be even excluded from the kingdom of Christ, as we saw in the Gospel. The Catechism says that the faith that does not spread itself dies. And it will grow. It will be strengthened by the spreading of itself. And we must draw them in in the same way that Christ draws us in, through service and through love. And that is the lesson of this marvelous, but at the same time chilling, gospel passage. It's an imperative to serve our neighbor, lest we suffer the consequences of eternal separation from God. We are called to carry out this apostolate of love, by which others are convinced of the truth of our faith by seeing how much we love our neighbor. You just think about Mother Teresa of Calcutta. How many people started believing in Jesus Christ just because they saw what she did for other people? The charity of the early Christians was one of the primary factors in drawing people into the church. And what happened in the first centuries of Christianity, how their charity drew people into the church, the same can take place when 21st century Christians practice charity towards their neighbors. The charity of the primitive church converted a pagan world, and as the world becomes more and more pagan, we need to practice more and more charity to bring it to Christ. Because the kingdom has to be spread. Christ said, Paul said in the second reading, Christ must reign. That's the desire that has to consume our souls, to make the kingdom of Christ a tangible reality, to draw all people into his domain. And to do this, to make this a reality, we have to turn to Our Lady. She is the mother of the King of kings. She is the queen of our hearts. So let us ask in this Mass today, that her prayers might help us to love Christ in disguise so that we might draw all people into his glorious kingdom.